Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, October 22nd, and we're talking Pinterest and PayPal. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Fool.com's absurd appraiser of accidental acquisitions, Brian Feroldi. Brian, what is going on? Dylan, we got visited by not the news fairy this week, <laughs> but by the rumor fairy this week. And that's what this show is about. <laughs> I like to think of them as like cousins, the news fairy and the rumor fairy. <laughs> One slightly more reputable than the other, right? <laughs> that's right. And in some cases, I, I, given, the, given the size of the deal that we're about to uh, discuss, more often than not, I found these rumors tend to be true. Yeah, you usually don't get any uh, any movement on a company that big unless there are some pretty solid reasons to back up the rumor. Uh, of course, we are we are talking about the interest that PayPal has, the late stage talks, the rumored late stage talks uh, that they have to acquire Pinterest. And Brian, uh, you were one of the first fools to really put Pinterest on, I think, the community's radar uh, as an interesting investment. It has proven to be a multi-bagger for people who followed some of those early looks that you gave. Uh, I know there are also some people like myself who have some positions that are currently down on the stock. So you were the person I wanted to bring on to talk about this. Yeah, Pinterest was my wife's and still is favorite business on earth. She has been a user of this platform for years and knowing how often she used it and how how often I've seen it in my daily life, I knew that there was a lot of value to this platform. It the company has been a roller coaster up up and down. The long-term trajectory has been positive and the interest by PayPal at this stage of the game isn't all that shocking. Yeah, we're going to get into strategically why this might be a good fit, uh, the pros and cons uh, of a deal like this, and then also a little bit of just how investors should think about uh, the stocks that they own in their portfolio when they get acquired. Uh, but first, I think we need to just kind of give a rundown, Brian, on what we know so far. We are we are talking about rumors. There's a little bit of speculation here, so we have to give that caveat. Uh, but there have been some details that have leaked out. Yeah, so earlier in the week, uh, both Bloomberg and B- CNBC uh, reported that PayPal was in late-stage talks to acquire uh, Pinterest. Uh, while, again, it's unconfirmed by either company at this stage of the game, given the size of this potential deal, I would lean towards this being more true than not true. Uh, so the ter- the deal terms that we know, quote-unquote, know so far is that PayPal is roughly willing to pay $45 billion to acquire Pinterest that values the company somewhere around uh, $70 per share. This news broke on Wednesday, and that price represents a 27% premium to Tuesday's closing price. No surprise, Pinterest stock shot up the day that this deal was uh, announced, about 13%. Uh, PayPal's stock actually went uh, down. And as of uh, the time of this taping, Pinterest's market cap is about $39 billion. It's currently trading in the low 60s. So there is still a discount to the quote-unquote takeout price. Yeah. And, you know, people will always look at that first day movement after the announcement as an indication of, you know, the market's perception of a deal like this. Uh, And I'll say, you know, before we even get too far down into the details, there have been a lot of times that acquirers have sold off on the news that they are buying somebody new. And they have turned out to be wonderful acquisitions. There are times where acquirers have popped on news of acquisitions, uh, and they've proven to be terrible acquisitions. So you can only really read so much into uh, the immediate reaction and the first day news. Um, I, I imagine, Brian, that most folks that have listened to the show for a while are probably 
fairly familiar with Pinterest, but I do want to kind of bring people up to speed a little bit on what the most recent quarters have looked like, uh, particularly as we start to talk about how this strategically might fit in for PayPal. So 2020 was a fabulous year for Pinterest with everybody in the globe stuck in their houses. Demand absolutely skyrocketed. And while initially PayPass, uh, Pinterest's uh, results uh, lagged because of the slowdown in marketing spend, the company really came back with a vengeance uh, in the third and fourth quarter. As a result, its stock just went straight up uh, and to the right more recently, we've seen a slowdown in the company's user base. Uh, so in the second quarter, which is the most recent quarter we have financials uh, on, top-line growth was still outstanding, 125% revenue growth, showing that advertisers are still choosing this platform more often. However, the stock actually sold off uh, when the earnings were announced. A reason for that is because of the monthly active users. While the total monthly active users were up about 9% to 454 million, in the United States, active users, monthly active users actually declined by about 5% uh, to, to 91 million. Wall Street is a forward-looking uh, machine, so the fact that monthly active users were declined really spooked some investors. Yeah, and and I think it's it's helpful to layer in a little context, Brian. Just on the the lifeblood of a social media company is going to be the users uh, long term, just because that that's the monetizable activity, right? And there's there's a perfectly viable business. Um, at least for the next couple of years, for a social media company that is where Pinterest is, where they are bringing a lot of ad, ad inventory onto the platform. But what Wall Street and what investors want to see is that they have the growth lever of bringing those ads on and also a growing user base, particularly in the US and in North America, which is the most important ad market out there. Yeah, that's the one-two punch for this company. And one of the reasons why I was so bullish on Pinterest and, and still am is just the fact that they are so under-monetized when compared to many of their other uh, social platforms. So in the most recent quarter, the average user, Pinterest user in the United States, generated about $5 in revenue. Compare that to a company like Facebook, which is in the 40s. And more importantly, the international numbers are very under-monetized. Uh, the average user in international markets only generated $0.36 cents in, in revenue. Again, if you look at a company like Facebook, it's many multiples higher than that. So a big bull case for the company was that there was going to be modest growth in total users. However, there was so much room to grow on the monetization side that that was going to power the company's revenue. Let's talk a little bit just about how this fits into the strategic direction for a company like PayPal. Because... Um, Similar to Pinterest, I think PayPal is one of those companies. We get lucky, Brian. We don't have to give too much of an introduction on what they do. People are pretty familiar with it. Uh, you're going to be thinking about this primarily with online payments, peer-to-peer -peer payments. Um, they've increasingly made investments in the buy now, pay later space. But the constant thread with all of those is generally we're talking fintech and we're talking payments with what this company owns. Yeah, PayPal is on a mission to make itself into a super finance app. And essentially, anything that has to do with, uh, with money and finance, PayPal wants to do. And the company does have a history of making of throwing money around to make uh, acquisitions. So just some recent, in the last couple of years that it's made, would be uh, Braintree, Venmo, Zoom, iZettle, Honey, which was its biggest acquisition at $4 billion, and more recently, Payday, which was a roughly $3 billion. So that's a lot of money that this company has, has, has thrown around. The idea behind Pinterest or tying up with Pinterest is an order of magnitude bigger than its biggest acquisition. So this would be a super bet uh, for, for the company. But you can understand some of the rationale. Uh, the CEO of PayPal has gone on record saying, 
They want to essentially double the act number of active users that the company has on this platform by 2025 to almost to, to 750 uh, million. Buying Pinterest would help them get there. There's also an argument made that there would be some tie-ins for the merchant side where you could say, hey, you're already accepting our, our payments. Have you thought about advertising to your customers? We can do so on one of the most popular social media platforms that by also, by the way, has, has no negativity uh, associated with it. So I think that's a big part of the rationale. Yeah, you also see some strategic fit here with payments being the focus for a company like PayPal and knowing that Pinterest is really the starting point for a lot of people making purchase decisions. You know, very often the inspiration moment or the uh, you know, kind of vision board moment for people, whether it's a project in the home DIY space, recipes, anything like that, it starts with Pinterest and then they are kind of taken elsewhere to transact. I think, you know, we think of Pinterest primarily as an ad play. It would not be far fetched to think that under PayPal, there could be some merchant and more e-commerce functionality built into what that company does. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's one of the primary reasons why I've been so bullish on Pinterest. People go to Pinterest because they want inspiration so they can take action in the real life. When we were redoing our kitchen two years ago, we were on Pinterest almost every day trying to find ideas. It's a very natural extension from going from, here's this idea that I have to how can I buy that thing? That makes to me, Pinterest, an incredibly monetizable platform. One of the other things that I think is kind of interesting too is you gave that rundown of you know some of the acquisitions that they've made recently. Um, some of those names are probably not super familiar to folks in the United States. And that's because a lot of them operate or are based elsewhere. And so iZettle is a Swedish company. Uh, Zoom helps people send money, reload phones, and pay bills around the world. Payday is buy now, pay later in Japan. And uh, you know, one of the things that we have noticed looking at the user trends for, for Pinterest is international is one of the better performing segments for them. That's where a lot of the growth is happening. Um, and the U.S. is kind of seen as more, a more mature market. You see PayPal making these international investments, and you know that's kind of where the excitement is with user growth in Pinterest. I think there's probably something there, too. Yeah, that's worth double-clicking on. So as of the most recent quarter, there were 91 million monthly active users in the United States, but there were 363 million in international markets. And while the growth in the in users was declining in the United States, it was up double digits in international uh, markets. Management also did give us some forward guidance for the third quarter on monthly active users, and they basically were expecting more of the same, a decline in monthly active users in the United States, but growth in international markets. So that tie-in for international reach definitely it makes sense. So, Brian, I am a shareholder of both of these companies. Are you a shareholder of both of these companies? I am a shareholder of both of these companies, <laughs> Dylan. So, so I think it is only healthy for us to also make the case here against this deal and take a little bit of a critical view and just try to understand what could go wrong with something like this. Um, and I think the the most obvious thing to me, Brian, with something like this is we know what PayPal does. PayPal knows what it does, and it does it really well, right? It is pretty specialized, pretty focused in the payment space. This is something that looks like a TAM expansion opportunity. It also means that they'd be moving further and further away from what their core competency is. Yeah, they don't really have any experience running a company like, like Pinterest. All the other acquisitions that they've done have been small relative to their absolute size, which is absolutely gargantuan. I mean, this is PayPal is currently a $285 billion company. It's, it's, it's huge. So uh, they don't necessarily have 
not working knowledge of how to run a company like paper, uh, like Pinterest. It also matters on how they would actually do it. We've seen time and time again, or the his history clearly shows that most acquisition, especially big ones, do not work out. The companies fail to realize the synergies, quote unquote synergies that, that are promised. So how PayPal and, and Pinterest would integrate with each other would really matter. Yeah, I, I like that that operational point that you mentioned with just running that type of business because um, you know while Pinterest is what what we think of as probably the uh, in the best light social media company out there right now, you know it's the least controversial I think of, of any of them. Um, it is generally seen as a relatively safe space on the internet. Um, it is still a treasure trove of user generated content. And that means moderation. Uh, who knows where the winds go with that kind of thing? Um, and that is just a little different than the monster that PayPal is used to managing. It certainly is. And the other thing that worth noting is the one of the big reasons that I was so bullish on Pinterest is it was still founder led. Ben Silberman not only founded this company, but was still running it. If indeed this acquisition goes through, would he want to stay on and essentially become an employee? of PayPal, of PayPal, that's something that is not very attractive to a lot of founders. So if he was to exit stage left, that would certainly be culturally changing at Pinterest. One other thing I saw out there that I thought was kind of interesting, Brian, I'd love for your take on this, is uh, PayPal, for all intents and purposes right now, is relatively neutral in the online shopping space. They they kind of operate in the space where they're helping everyone facilitate transactions. They exist in competition with other payment facilitators. Um, but they don't own any turf that they are trying to point people to. And we have talked about this with the likes of Roku in the past. That can sometimes be a super advantageous position to be in. It really can. I mean, that is one of the major reasons that PayPal was spun off of eBay. That direct tie-in with eBay was keeping PayPal from winning uh, business. After the split happened and it was truly a, a neutral party, that's one of the reasons that PayPal has seen such phenomenal adoption and growth. So there is an argument to be made that tying in with one social media platform uh, so, so directly could inhibit adoption. I, I, just as an aside, Brian, the, the PayPal eBay spinout is one of the classic. Sometimes it's better to own the other one <laughs> things, right? When you when you when you roll a company out from underneath another one, uh, sometimes you're able to materialize value that you want you can't recognize uh, when they're owned by that parent company, and that is like the poster child for that. I mean, PayPal has been far and away the better business to own of those two. Yeah, it's not it's not even close, and it just shows you how much value can be unlocked sometimes through spinouts. Yeah, you mentioned before, two hundred and eighty-five billion in value, uh, to be exact. Um, and and PayPal is, I think, one of those sneaky big companies. Um, you know, I think it's easy to be like, oh, they're they're relatively young. How how big could they be? Yeah, hundreds of billions of dollars in market cap, big. And so I think in the context of a, a company that size, a forty-five billion dollar acquisition, Brian, it's a sizable one. It is not necessarily a course-altering one if you're looking at the overall value of the business. But I think if you start digging into the top line for these companies, the cash available on hand, it it's a different story. It, it is a pretty impactful acquisition if it goes through. PayPal would be paying a pretty healthy premium for if, if the pricing is indeed real. So again, Pinterest is doing about $2 billion in trailing 12-month revenue. That is about one-twentieth, uh, one-tenth, excuse me, that of PayPal, which did about $24 billion. So a $45 billion takeout price would be a price-to-sales ratio of about 22. And again, it's really the comparison to the market caps of the two businesses that I always look at. So at a $45 billion acquisition, that would be about 15% of PayPal's current market cap. That is a huge number. 
Yeah, and if you look at the balance sheet, PayPal currently has twelve billion in cash and equivalents, nine billion in long-term debt. So, you know, you got to pay for an acquisition somehow. It's either going to be cash, it's going to be debt, or it's going to be shares, right? Uh, I think we can figure out which of the two it's most likely to be based on those numbers. Yeah, it would almost have to be e- equity, or at least involve a sizable amount of equity. I can't imagine that the company would want to go and saddle its balance sheet with thirty or forty billion dollars in additional debt. Uh, that would make it look upside down. So, I'm guessing that equity would be a major part of the consideration. So, Brian, before we move on to kind of the the broader view on this and just how investors should be thinking about businesses uh, that they own when they get acquired, and, and really kind of what the the to do list is, um, I, I want to take a second and pause and say, you know, we we own both of these businesses. Um, how are you looking at this acquisition? I guess we we own either of them and both of them either way. Are you rooting for this to go through? I'm of two minds about it. To to to, to be honest, in general, I don't like it when the companies that I own get bought out. A lot of people do because it's fun to see that one day pop when the share price goes up by a whole bunch. But I put so much time and effort into finding these companies, researching them, doing everything up front. When I finally bring a company into my portfolio, I essentially want it to do all the growing and all the compounding for me. And if the company comes in and swoops that away from me, that's stealing stealing away a major opportunity uh, from me. So in this case, while I understand the rationale for the deal, I'm not exactly rooting for it to go through. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, one of the tough parts about being a long-term investor. Sometimes is you know the the short-term pops can be exciting; they get a lot of news. But if you buy a business and you're planning on holding it for three, five, ten years, um, you're probably looking at far bigger upside on your thesis than whatever that one-day pop is going to be. You're hoping maybe for multi-bagger returns, depending on the type of investor you are and the types of businesses you own. Um, and and that's certainly the case I have with with Pinterest, where uh, I have some positions in Pinterest that are actually down. You know, I'm, I'm in the red on some of those. And uh, I, I would probably get close to break even with this takeout price. But I see this being a potentially much bigger company in five years than this takeout price is going to be giving me right now. Yeah, that's a particularly precarious situation. When you buy a stock, it gets bought out, and you end up losing money on the deal. And that's worth noting here. Uh, Pinterest traded at almost $90 per share earlier in the year. So if that $70 takeout price, again, does materialize, that means there's going to be a bunch of shareholders there that are going to see this company taken away from them at a loss. Yeah, and and you hate to see it. Um, you know, in this case, uh, I'll be able to enjoy the upside because I'll be a PayPal shareholder. Uh, you know, and whatever the terms of the deal may be, you know, I'll be paying attention to that. Um, but you know, I I do think there is something to be said for a standalone Pinterest in the future, uh, being a, a business that maybe gets to you know the the size of some of the other social media giants out there. We do that ARPU comparison almost every single time we talk about them, Brian, and it seems like there's so much upside. The investor in me wants to be able to see that materialize. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right there there with you. Now on the flip side, the news flow out of Pinterest recently has not been exactly uh, positive. Not only did they report the slowdown in user growth uh, as we saw, but more recently, Evan Sharp, one of the company's co-founders, decided to step away from the business and leave. That's not something that I like to see. And and another news, uh, the company has also been dealing with some acquisitions from. Uh, acquisitions by former employees that the company was discriminating against female workers. When you combine all that together with the fact that the stock price has been weak recently, it's possible that Pinterest management team has just decided running a public company is not as much fun as it is to run a private one, and they're looking for an exit. Yeah. And we, we talked about how these you know are rumors at this point. It's speculation at this point. Um, 
there are instances of these types of talks materializing into something that, that seemed like it was going to happen. You don't have to look too far in the past. Zoom and 5.9, I think, are a great example of this, Brian, uh, where it seemed like a deal was going to happen. It got to the vote, and that that didn't come through. It didn't happen. So even though uh, the companies could be interested, you know, you have to have the investors interested as well. Yeah, there's still a lot of hurdles that this that company would have to go through in order for this to actually happen. So both companies would have to acknowledge it publicly. The official terms of the deals would have to go through. Then there would be a shareholder uh, vote that would have to go through. In this case, it would really boil down to what does Ben Silberman uh, want because he is the co-founder. He owns a sizable amount of stock. So he could probably push the deal through on his own uh, if, if, if he wanted to. But to your, your point, there are instances, recent instances, when deals were announced, shareholders were on board, and yet it failed through because of either a vote or the company later changed its mind. That's exactly what we saw happen with Zoom and 5.9. Both companies agreed to it, both companies' boards agreed to it, and yet shareholders end of 5.9 ended up voting it down. So there's plenty of landmines ahead for this deal to go through. So, Brian, our, our listeners know that you are a very checklist-oriented person. You're a very structured thinker when it comes to your investing frameworks. Um, I, I know that you have a, a couple of different things that you look at when you're considering um, an acquisition and whether it's ultimately good and also how to think about it as an investor. What are some of those questions so that we can kind of pass those along to our listeners? Yeah, this is a common question that people get when they own a company and the stock is going to get bought out. Um, there are a number of questions that I like to go through to say, well, should I sell now? Should I wait? What are the odds of this happening? Uh, one question to ask is, can the acquirer uh, afford the deal? Uh, in this case, we went through the market caps of the two businesses, and PayPal clearly could access the finance it needs to make a, uh, a deal happen. Uh, another question that I like to think about is, could there be any regulatory hurdles that could prevent this deal from, from going through? In this case, I doubt it. I doubt that there would be any sort of government blocking for saying PayPal can't acquire Pinterest. But if these two businesses were both huge giants in the payment industry, uh, that would be a different story. For example, we're making this up, but if MasterCard and PayPal and Visa were, were going to uh, acquire each other, that would be a completely different uh, regulatory uh, headache. Uh, another question I like to ask is, do I want to be an investor in the combined company if the deal goes through. So I'm already an investor in PayPal. I'm already an investor in Pinterest. In this case, if the deal was made in stock, for example, my Pinterest stock would just get converted into PayPal stock, assuming it was an equity transaction. I would be more than okay with that because I'm still very bullish on PayPal's business. In other cases, if the acquirer is taking over a company and you are not at all interested in the acquirer, then it can make sense to uh, to um, to close out early. And the final thing is just you really need to make sure that you understand the terms of the deal. Is it going to be paid in all cash? Is it going to be paid in all stock? Is it going to be a combination of the two? So that is something that you have to think about. Yeah, one thing I'll throw out there just for people to keep in mind for their their own portfolio. And usually, what will happen is we'll see the rumor mill run. We'll see the details get firmed up uh, over over the course of weeks or months, um, and then we'll you know if there's actually a deal, we'll know when that transaction date is going to be. And people kind of wind up in this spot where they're saying, "Okay, I could wait for this deal to close um, and enjoy the full acquisition price, or you know I can sell or move out of the position at a slight discount right now because they always have to price in a little bit of risk just in case." Um, and kind of move on with my life. And what should I do here? And I think if you're in the mindset of, I don't want to be a shareholder in the acquiring company, one thing that often gets overlooked when people are looking at this stuff is just check your holding period for the company that you own. Um, it you, you want to make sure that you're not accidentally setting yourself up for short-term gains uh, if you are selling before 
the transaction period actually finishes. Um, and, and it's just an easy box to check. And so keep that in mind. You know, we're, we're generally thinking three, five, 10 years, but if you happen to have a position uh, in a company that's a relatively short-term position and they happen to get bought, just add that to the checklist. Make sure it's on yes. there. Certainly, you do have to think about the taxes. Now, if you own either of these stocks in an IRA or a Roth IRA or a 401k, obviously, you don't have to really consider the tax uh, situation. But if you own it in a taxable brokerage account, that is completely something that you need to think about. In this case, the deal, the quote, again, it hasn't been announced yet, but if the deal does get announced in the next couple of uh, days, the there's no way that it was going to be closing in 2021. It would easily close in 2022. So in some cases, even if you want to sell and uh, there would be a tax, uh, tax, there'd be a tax to doing so. It can make sense to wait to January to do so. So that way you're delaying those long-term taxes out until the, t- the following uh, uh, tax tax year. So taxes are definitely a part of the equation. Well, Brian, um, I, I think that that's uh, I think that's all I got on this one. I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get together and talk about it. I'm bummed that this this company that has been a, a great performer for for a lot of fools um, could possibly be taken out of the market because, in part, I, I enjoy talking about it so much with you. You know, it's 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 a fun one to talk about, and I, I think the show was probably one of the first uh, opportunities that this really got on fools' radar. So hopefully, there will be more Pinterest shows to come. But either way, we'll be talking PayPal. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Pinterest is definitely a fun one to, to talk about. And I'm really glad we got the opportunity to talk about when acquisitions happen because it's it's happened to me many times in the past where companies that I've hold have just gotten bought out even though I didn't want them to. And I guarantee it's going to happen in the future. Yep. It's a... Uh... It's a constant truth of the market. It's just the reality of it. And it's validating in a way, right? It's it's uh, PayPal saying, hey, you know, I kind of like that thing that's in your portfolio. I think I might want it myself. <laughs> it does suggest that you're onto something with your stock picking. <laughs> Let's hope so. Brian, uh, thank you, as always, for joining me. Thank you, Dylan. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Fool on. Fool on.